Good morning, everyone. This is Jeffy Kennedy, and I'm here with my first cup of coffee. <laughs> okay, today is Friday, June 7th. I thought I said Thursday yesterday, but I must have mixed it up because um, Colleen, Co- Colleen, <laughs> I, I want to mess with pronouncing your name, Colleen, uh, pointed out that I said Thursday, apparently. Or it said Friday instead of Thursday, see? Although today I am firmly convinced that it is indeed Friday. For some reason, yesterday felt like Friday to me. I just guess it was a long week. <laughs> um, maybe because I'm two days over where I wanted to be on my revision. And I'm still days past on Fiery Citadel. However, I am at... Um, like 60%, 65%, something like that. Um, I have added, uh, I don't know, 14,000 words. <laughs> and I've got a little bit to go. But I am going faster now, uh, knock on wood. And we'll see what I get done today. The saga of the contact lenses is that I did get an appointment uh, yesterday afternoon at 4.30. They were able to get me in, so that was good. Turns out that it had been, I was thinking it was like a year and a half, because I knew I'd been in there in the fall. But it turns out it was two and a half years since I'd been in. It's so funny to me how the admin people, you know, the, the gals who, like, do your initial stuff or, you know, take you in and talk to you about your insurance, are so much less pleasant than the actual doctor. I I left my last eye doctor, cause I, and I liked him just fine, but I hated his staff. <clears throat> and I even wrote him a letter telling him I hated his staff, and nobody ever replied. I'm sure his horrible staff intercepted the letter. Um, <clears throat> but anyway, you know, they were so you know, brusque with me and when I was explaining that I'd broken a lens and they're like, it's been two and a half years since you've been in and all this. I'm like, yeah, 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 you know, dock me a grade or whatever, honey. (laughs) Maybe it's my attitude that makes it a problem. I did not say that. I just smile pleasantly and go, "Uh huh? Anyway, my doctor said, um, he said, well, you know, if you're the kind of person who can make a pair of contact lenses last for two and a half, three years, then more power to you. Right? I was kind of um, wondering if I'd screwed myself by not having vision insurance. Because I could self-insure through USAA. I'm checking on Jackson. He's really being wild and wanting to jailbreak. Mm-hmm. See at the end of this leash? Oh, he is. Okay, good. He was so far out there I couldn't see. <clears throat> so, sorry, I got distracted there. Oh, I could self-insure through USAA, and it would be $15 a month. And I had thought, uh. And even yesterday I thought, uh, maybe I should have done that. So I went and looked, and I could, I can get it any time. <clears throat> but it wouldn't have started till July 1st. And obviously, because I wait until I lose or break a lens to deal, then I couldn't get that. I, w- I didn't want to wait till July to be able to see. <laughs> that's the short way of putting that. So I thought, oh, well, you know, that's that's the breaks. You know, you take your lumps. 
So because I have healthy eyes and I'm very good at making my contacts last, my examination as a self-pay, because it's different, you know, and, and I do feel like this is relevant. This is part of being a career author since, you know, part of it is self-insuring, right? And you have to make these financial choices. I don't, I'm not required by law to have, um, vision insurance. And it's one of those things that's like, well, exactly how expensive can it really get? Apparently, there are some lenses, my doctor tells me, that are 600 bucks each. Uh, mine are only 100 So my, So with my self-pay visit and new lenses, it came to $260.262. So I figure with my copay... An annual, let's see, I was doing the math. So it would, it would cost me 220 a year to, uh, to self-insure, to pay that insurance premium, and then to do the, the co-pays. Because it would be, it's like um, 25 for the lenses and 15 for the visit. So I, I definitely came out ahead, right? Because if I was doing 220 a year for two years, that would have been 440 Um and then another half, one ten, four fifty, five five hundred and fifty dollars. So I think that that's still a good until I get to the point, unless and until I get to the point where my lenses and so forth cost more than that, then it's worth doing. Uh, I did not replace my glasses, which I wear only at night so I don't bump into things and on occasions like this when I've broken a lens um, so you know they're not wonderful they're they're not um, <coughs> they're not a perfect prescription but they are good enough for this and good enough for me to see the computer so I can keep revising this book um, if I was going to replace the glasses too that would be a much more expensive so, he, you know, my prescription really hadn't changed. He, my right eye stayed the same, and my left eye he bumped up just slightly, but it was fine. Um, so, you know, there's no need for me to go in much more often than that. But I think I will try to go in, like, maybe I'll try to be a good girl and go in two years from now and maybe get the insurance ahead of time and replace the glasses as well. We shall see. But anyway, that's the kind of financial juggling you end up doing when um, benefits are not a foregone conclusion. Although I know for many people, um, even with health insurance through their jobs, they don't get vision insurance always. So, um, new lenses come in next week. They said five working days. They'll order them today. I'm going to call in later because the gal who checked me out and took my money said um, that she didn't know nothing about contact lenses. She was also the one who was a little snippy to me, so she might be just stressed and new. So I'm going to call back later and talk to Holly and ask her if the contacts can be expedited at all. I don't know if I'll... um, if there's like a rush fee, I don't know if I'd pay it or not because I'm not sure it makes that much difference. The upshot, however, is that I am not going down to Lyra tomorrow <clears throat> because I just don't um, 
Minerva is not going this time, and I, my right eye is my distance, I have monocular contacts, so the right eye is distance vision, and the left eye is the one that's like computer distance. So I could go because the right eye is the distance, but it just feels ever so slightly unsafe to me, and I have a lot of stuff to do here, and it's supposed to be a beautiful day. So I'm just going to do that. I'll be down there next month, so that's soon enough. Uh, let's see. So what else is going on? A little finchy. Oh, we have a... I, I forgot to mention it yesterday, although Corrine was still working on it. Um, the Sorceress Moon's Compendium, books four to six, is now up and live. Um, I think on most retailers, I'm going to, I have to go over um, the Amazon entry because they're still unhappy about something, but it's ready to go. So if you were one of those who wanted um, a matching print book for the second three books, or if you prefer to buy the digital compendium, it is available for you to do that. What are you doing? Now he's calling. He might be hung up. Shall we see? A little bit of cat wrangling here. What are you doing? <clears throat> no, no, he's just laying in the laying in the sun. Stalking something. I know I had something else that I was wanting to tell you guys, but I don't think I wrote down a note. I was thinking I should, and then I was busy revising way deep in my characters' heads, and then I don't think I did. Let's look and see. Did past Jeffy leave us a note? Nope, these are all notes about the story. Huh. I guess... <clears throat> Excuse me. I was thinking about the whole thing about reviews because I did kind of a subtweet yesterday because I didn't want to address the actual person who said the thing. But there was a, I think, a book blogger on Twitter who was calling out authors for shaming reviewers. And, and it's something that we've talked about, you know, that, um, and, and Shannon McGuire did a great uh, thread on it, and I retweeted that, you know, which is, if you're going to leave a negative review, don't tag the author, right? You know, don't throw it in their face. And, you know, that's, that's fine. We, you know, if you want to do a one-star review, do it, but, you know, you don't have to tell the author. But in this case, these were authors who were, like, going to Amazon and this one gal had picked out a one-star review that really wasn't all that mean, but she said, well, you know, the book was just kind of boring, and it wasn't her best book, and I didn't really enjoy it, so I one-starred it. And she did a screen capture of this review and put it on Twitter, and, and it was like her release day, and bitched about how this was harshing her release day buzz and how unfair that was. You know, and it's like, well, you know, honey, nobody, in, nobody owes you 
a release day <laughs> buzz. It's, you know, not your birthday party. You don't get a sparkle pony. Um, it's a job. It's not you getting to be homecoming queen for a day. I never understand why people think release days should be something like where everybody showers you with glitter and confetti. <clears throat> so, so the blogger was talking about this author doing that and saying, you know, that she didn't like this, you know, and the other author's chiming in saying, you know, I'm just standing up for my bud, you know, and I just want her to have a good release day and all this and shaming this reviewer who left one star, you know, including her name. You know, and it was in very poor taste. Well, this other author responded to the thread and said, well, you know, yeah, I don't agree with these authors doing that. And she said, but, you know, when someone leaves me a one-star review, I really wish that... Can you hear the accent I'm putting on? <laughs> it's not fair. I totally don't know this person. don't know her at all. And I resisted replying directly to her, which I nearly did. But anyway, she's like, you know, I just wish that they would tell me what I did wrong so I can learn from it. And and I was just like, no, 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 no. Oh, honey. Oh, honey is my new thing. Oh, honey. Um, and so I, I put a tweet out there, which has actually been liked and retweeted a lot. Maybe more than any other tweet I've put out there. So it was probably good that I didn't just reply to her. But the thing is, is... <clears throat> This idea that authors should learn to improve their books from reviews is fairly new. And it, it's, it's an internet era thing. And it's just really wrong-headed. It comes from, you know, like Wattpad and, you know, and even links back to some of the stuff I was talking about, about the Amanda Palmer concert, you know, where you build these very tight communities and get people to give you instant feedback on your art, which you then tweak to please that group of people. And it's, um, it's a weirdly incestuous relationship when it works well. Um, when it doesn't work well, well, it does, I'm, I'm going to back up. It doesn't work. It's not, reviews are not how you find out what works in your book. And part of this is because, and every writer learns this, anytime someone gets seriously into writing, and we all start out as readers, is one of the first things you discover, and you hear new writers say this all the time, where they're like, I really hate that I can't just read a book anymore. I can't just read a book and enjoy it. And it's like, yeah. And so there are ways to recover it, but for a long time, when you first start getting very serious about writing and critiquing your own work and trading, so you're trading with other people and critiquing their work, you develop this critical editorial lens where you analyze what you read and that the editorial mind is going the whole time that you're reading. And it, it does become nearly impossible to uh, just enjoy a book for what it is um, unless you develop the skill of turning that brain off, which I've gotten a lot better at doing. And even then, I still have part of my brain that's still tracking like where the dramatic beats are and noting how they uh, 
used some particular <laughs> technique to good or ill effect. And that's just part of it. You just develop that analytical ability. So for a reader to read a book and give it one star because, hey, you know, it was boring and I didn't really enjoy it, that's very, very different than if, like, someone like me or your editor reads your book and gives you the list of things that aren't working or that need to be improved for it to flow better. Uh, it's totally different experiences. So that's a primary reason why you cannot um, use reviews. Another reason is because the reviews are not for the author. I mean, I don't know how often we have to say this. Um, you know, and maybe it's this over-identification with the work or with the audience, um, but authors do not need to be worried about what the reviews say about their books. The reviews are for other readers. It feels like it's for the author, but it's not. It's talking about this thing that is no longer a part of you, and people are talking about it on its own merits. Yeah, yeah, occasionally you get the reviewer who, like, drags in the author's personal stuff saying, well, she must be this or that. You know, but that's um, that's kind of the reverse effect, right? That's part of them being a little too incestuous, thinking that they know who the author is and what she's thinking or doing. So the other thing that's played into this is that in the era of self-publishing, there is still the opportunity to endlessly revise and republish a book. And there are authors who do this, which I think I've mentioned before. I just, no, don't, don't resist, resist the urge. Don't do it. Um, <clears throat> with traditional publishing, boy, you know, once you publish that book, once you, once you sign off on the final copy edits even, um, you're done. There's, you know, that it's, and I always talk about it as being in the can, which I've come to realize is kind of an archaic phrase anymore. Certainly alludes to old technology, but I believe it comes from movie making. My grandfather was into movie stuff. I might have gotten it from him. But, you know, once the film was done, once they were done cutting the film and all of that, then it would be placed, you know, literally in a big metal can and sent to the movie theaters. And I remember my grandfather having those things. Um, sort of um, looks like one of those reels, like you put a electrical cord or a garden hose on. It was in those things. You know, literally a reel of film. Back in the days, kids. <laughs> so, you know, once you signed off on that, the final proof, you know, that book was in the can, and it was gone. You know, it was like, boom, you are, you know, your kid has gone to college, and they are never coming home again. You have to give up all control. With self-publishing, there is no, there is no in the can. Um, you can always take the book down and reconfigure it and put it up again. And people do this playing with the marketing. Um, I'm not saying that that's wrong to do, but... There are people who, like, go through the reviews and comments, you know, sort of treating it like a Wattpad thing, like a community critique. And they'll go through it and they'll adjust the book according to the comments. You know, and one thing about that's a danger of critique groups, even well-formed and disciplined critique groups, is that you begin to write for the group. And you begin to know what the other people in the group are, are going to say about your work. And 
because they are there. And again, this is that Amanda Palmer syndrome, right? Where you are so involved with what that particular group of people thinks and tells you about your work that you start focusing entirely on them. And it's, um, it's a real danger. It's a, you know, it's a danger to target your stories so minutely to the opinions of a very few people. Because even if you have whatever Amanda Palmer has, you know, her 30,000 or 50,000 Patreon members, that's still a vanishingly small part of the overall population. Um, and and it's a small part of the world to come, right? You know, the people in the future who might enjoy your art. So, you know, it's just... Um, sometimes I read my reviews. Yes, they have an effect on me. Yes, I get irritated by negative reviews. Um, I mean, I don't think I'd be a human being if that didn't bother me. I pinged Grace the other day because someone had reviewed our Seasons of Sorcery anthology and gave her story like a five and, oh, my God, why don't I know this author? And far and away, my best, my favorite thing in this whole planet <laughs> and DNF'd my story, which is, you know, fine. You know, she, she complained about, she said, well, once I got oriented, you know, it just couldn't hold my attention. And I just thought it was funny because... It doesn't bother, you know, we, we get, you know, she said, well, you get the same thing. She said someone, you know, gave your story a five and mine a three or something like that. And I'm like, yeah, but that's, that's fair. <laughs> uh, we have amusing conversations. But, you know, it's like, how could there be that huge of a disparity when I feel like Grace and I write? And then, you know, at least in a, a, a fairly large Venn diagram overlap that there'd be a difference between, oh, my God, my favorite thing ever and DNF. But, you know, that's what it was. There's no reading is a subjective thing. Either you like it or you don't. And, you know, really that's all a review should be about. Okay, so there I am. I've already rambled on for 22 minutes, so I am going to go get to work. Uh, wish me luck today. We'll see how far I get. I am certainly going to be working on this next week, so it goes. And I will, um, but that's all right. It's, it's fun. So I hope you all have a fabulous weekend since today is Friday. And, <laughs> and it should be a pretty weekend, right? I hope you have beautiful weather where you are. I'm going to work in the garden a lot. So all of you have a wonderful time, and I will talk to you on Monday. Take care. Bye. <laughs>